I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm Michael Hamflit. And I'm Adam Nicholas. And as always at the beginning of this show, call us the front of the plane, Michael, because we are all <laughs> business. Let's get it out the way nice and quickly. You can follow us on all social medias with at Podcast Horseman. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for everybody who's followed so far. We continue to grow and it's a lovely lovely thing. Michael, where can they find us when it comes to all things podcasts? You can follow us on Spotify. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us on Acast. You can even find us in the tweets on the timeline. We'd love, as usual, your five-star ratings and all your reviews. You know, it helps with all the boring algorithm stuff, but it's really great and it's nice to see those reviews as well. And of course, later on the show, we're going to find out who's going to be the second name in our Hollywood talk of fame. Hooray! <laughs> Question mark? But what, Adam Nicholas, are we talking about today? Well, why would I tell you when I can get Netflix to do the job <laughs> for me? This week's episode is episode four, season one, episode four. That is Zoe's and Zelda's. And I'm told that Bojack decides to mentor Todd. Diane's ex-boyfriend writes an article about Mr. Peanut Butter. And if that doesn't sound intriguing, well, then you aren't obviously paying attention. My whistle is soaking wet. Um, <laughs> we are, <laughs> we, uh, we start as always with our classic Bojack. And yet again, it is quite literally classic Bojack. Um, the scene tells us it's 1985 in LA in a comedy club. Uh, Bojack is telling a why the long face joke to a very <laughs> bored crowd as a horse. And then he's going on to explain it. He's asking the audience repeatedly if they get the joke. It's just a stand-up routine not going very well. He finds himself getting heckled. You can see the sweat beads starting to form on his horse head. And uh, it takes us then to the bar. One of the hecklers actually comes to speak to him and uh, asks him, you know, like, you know, how long he's been doing it. Bojack's got no interest in actually speaking to him. We're going to get to that in just a second. Um, but this guy, this heckler, who we just assume to be a member of the audience, mm. tells him that he's been doing stand-up about a year. So it behooves him as one of the most experienced in the game to help one of the little guys to drag him up. Uh, he introduces himself as Herb Kazaz. Now, you might remember from last week's episode that that was the horsing around producer, the, uh, the person that Sarah Lynn has noticed has uh, recently been diagnosed with cancer, which Bojack had no idea. It's worth mentioning at this point that Bojack's very first words to Herb Kazaz ever were, 
get cancer, jerkwad. Oh, man. This really stung, didn't it? This wasn't nice. And because obviously that was the last thing we got from last week's episode mm. and the first thing we got from this week, those two little moments being joined together yeah. felt immediately quite a tragic. Two little real tragic bookends to yeah. opposite episodes. Brilliant to get some sadness in a comedy club, wasn't it? Of course, it? of course. Um, the laugh shack. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite nice, though, because obviously they, they form a bond because Bojack, young Bojack, is realising that he's just met somebody that wants to help him. Uh, Herb offers him a drink. Bojack laughs it off and says, no, thanks, I don't drink. At which point we flash forward to the future where it is the morning and Bojack is having a whiskey. It's uh, early doors in Bojack's apartment. He's uh, drinking and he trips over Todd's mess. Pick up your sh**, Todd. It's uh, it's up to the little guy to look out for the big shots like me, which is showing <laughs> that as we've, there's been sort of a message so far that over 30 years, what's Bojack been up to? And he's learned nothing because he's taken Herb's advice from the very first time they met and he's subverted it to get the advantage for himself and he's gotten nowhere in his life. Such a clever little way to do this as well because I, I was going, did he? messed that up and then realized exactly <laughs> what they were trying to do by showing how Bojack's ego has developed along the way. It was another very literal cold open because it was yeah. stone cold. Stone cold open, my word. Um, we it takes us back to the present day. They're at the roast of Gloria Steinem, which if you've been paying attention throughout the episodes, is something that has been referenced in both episodes one and two that this roast is forthcoming. And it's nice to see the show actually pay this off with a mm. proper event. Um, we see Bojack at a table with Diane, Mr. Peanut Butter, Princess Carolyn, Todd, and a character we meet called Wayne. Um, Wayne is uh, writing a BuzzFeed article on Mr. Peanut Butter, so he's following them to this event. How very right now. Yeah, that <laughs> feels quite relevant, doesn't yeah. it? Um, Even also, more relevant, I guess, in 2014 when this will have been happening. Certainly, yeah, obviously. Big boom. BuzzFeed and like instant internet content, of which we know a little bit of a thing mm -hmm. about. And it's just obviously at that point, I guess, Wayne would have been a character that would have felt quite true to those sort of events, following like Absolutely, local yeah. celebrities around to try and get a little bit of dirt on them to make quick list content. Uh, we also find out, though, that he's Diane's ex-boyfriend. Of course. He doesn't particularly figure in at the conversation here, but straight away, you know, there's an atmosphere between them from their previous. Um, <laughs> Mr. Peanut Butter asks Bojack if he's a Zoe or a Zelda. Oh, yes. And we learn at this point through Wayne's explanation of uh, a scene from Mr. Peanut Butter's house. Zoe and Zelda were the names of the orphans that Mr. Peanut Butter took upon. Again, for the, to reset for those that don't remember, Peanut Butter's house was a show that mirrored horsing around. Bojack would hate you to know that, but it's Mr. Peanut Butter with two orphans, one called Zoe, one called Zelda. We learned from Mr. Peanut Butter that Zelda was a fun-loving extrovert, while Zoe was a smart, cynical introvert. Um, it's kind of flippantly brushed aside by Bojack that he wouldn't want to be boxed into being either a Zoe or a Zelda. But Wayne, who knows a lot about the show, does suggest that the paradigm can be reflected in real life. I do like the Zoe and Zelda thing. Like mm. It's even taken out of the show and applying it to us. Which one are you? Which one are you, Zoe or Zelda? Uh, I like to think I'm a Zelda, but I'm definitely a Zoe. <laughs> ah, see, there's a lot of this in-denial mm. stuff, isn't there? <laughs> I think so. It's, it's quite interesting because obviously we get this. We've had this with Bojack so far. But it's, again, another meta commentary because the, the one that sprung to mind for me was Ross and Rachel. But there's so many shows that asks you to put yourself in the place of character yes. A or character mm. B. Whereas we know through what we've already seen of Bojack Horseman that it's a really layered and nuanced show. And it doesn't ask you to take one character and it asks you to take the characteristics of several. Bojack asks, which one are you? And then Bojack simply replies, I think I'm above, above this. this. <laughs> which is quite a nice comment about Bojack mm. Horseman, the show versus a lot of other animated yeah. shows, yeah, and certainly yeah. a lot of other shows that people would compare it to. We keep going back to this point that like one of the reasons we started this podcast is because if you try and recommend this program to people, it's what? The cartoon about a talking, about horse. The talking horse. It almost knows itself about how it's going to be boxed into being one thing or another when it is offering so much more. The mirroring of Mr. Peanut Butter and Bojack, like to the point where Peanut Butter is convinced that he's his article that's going to be happening on BuzzFeed is the same as a book being written about yeah. Bojack. Again, we're trying to draw the parallels. Peanut Butter living in this 
little make-believe world <laughs> in his head, really. But it's quite adorable in a strange little way. There's a really sweet retort from Peanut Butter, because as soon as Bojack says that, uh, Peanut Butter responds, said the Zoe, and <laughs> like pops the entire table, yeah, gets a huge laugh, which again sort of highlights that that broad comedy was very popular with American audiences. But Bojack resists that being the case. He wants Horson allowed to, uh, Horson Rounds to have been this different sort of like pop culture moment compared to mm. what Peanut Butter's house is. They're both the same They're thing. They're both the They're same. Both They're the same exactly thing. the same. Uh, in the meantime, throughout this episode, Bojack has kind of kept hammering Todd for being useless, really, uh, until Todd reveals that he's writing an o- a rock opera. Bojack uh, can't help himself. He has to ask a rock opera. A rock opera. Smash cut to Bojack's apartment where Todd is set up in front of a keyboard and everybody that was at the uh, the roast is now back at Bojack's apartment. Todd uh, previews this by saying it's Tommy by way of Cirque du Soleil set in space with heavy erotic overtones and the gripping psychodrama of a thriller with plenty of heart and more than a little humor. Todd... That's so sweet because it speaks to Todd is very much an everyman, but what he's crafted here is an everything. There's a lovely gag here that is quickly becoming a running gag in Bojack Horseman. It's called Newtopia Rising, book one, The Search for a New Utopia. This is a callback to episode one of this very show, mm-hmm. among, uh, as well as several book titles, article titles, and everything that we've heard. When things are titled in this show, they're not synced enough to be drilled down into what an actual title should be. Almost like a certain podcast I <laughs> Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast. Where would we get that inspiration Where from? would we get that from? Who knows? It's quite, it's again, like it's hammered home here. In It's the scene that's set up where Peanut Butter is asked if Bojack is a Zoe or a Zelda. Mm. We're seeing Peanut Butter and Bojack being the Zoes and Zeldas of this world. Every time that Peter, the Bojack slams this rock opera as a stupid idea or slams Todd as, you know, his, his house fool effectively, uh, Peanut Butter reacts in the total opposite way. He couldn't be more enthusiastic. He loves that Todd's got so many ideas. He wants to hear this. As soon as Todd rattles off that ludicrous title and says book one, Peanut Butter's enthused because of the prospect of a sequel <laughs> and he's not even heard part I'm one I'm thinking yet. sequel already. It is quite something to see these two characters of which we know have led such a similar life have such opposing divergent mm-hmm. opinions on this piece of work uh todd plays it which we don't hear because it, we're given like we're given the freedom of one rock opera later yes. uh peanut butter gives it a standing ovation <laughs> <laughs> Bojack, in response oh god to a standing ovation says that it was worse than 100 September 11th. (laughs) Boom, a 9-11 joke. Boom, a 9-11 joke immediately. And ironically, as we will find out, not even the worst one that he comes to compare Todd's rock opera to, but more to come on that shortly. But as always, earlier in the episode, we've seen how a character has tried to put a commentary forward on Hollywood, and then we've seen it play out in real life because this is the Zoe Zelda paradigm being played out in a very real life on normal night in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, on we go to... Bojack doing memoir stuff with Diane. Um, they're talking Todd this time, and it's a way to like explain a little bit about Todd and Bojack's relationship. We learned that he's lived with Bojack for five years, which feels such a long time for yeah. them to have such a lived-in relationship <laughs> at this point. Um, Diane encourages Bojack to help him. Um, she challenges Bojack on it, though. She asks him, do you let him stay because you're kind or because you're terrified of being alone? Bojack, as he always does when Diane actually has him on something, goes into complete denial mode. Um, but then in an act of his typical stubbornness and a way to prove a wrong and yet impress her at the same time because he's still feeling out his confused feelings mm. over Diane. Uh, Todd walks in the room to talk more about his rock opera and he offers to help. Bojack actually wants to give Todd a hand when all the way through the episode we've seen him just criticize and pull Todd down. Well, you say that he actually wants to give Todd a hand. I'm not sure he does really, does he? But it makes for a great 
chapter in his book, I guess, mm. because essentially he's doing it all quite literally through gritted teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most begrudging helping hand. Instead of in previous episodes where he's done something bad and then said to Diane, don't put that in the book. Don't put that in the book. He's forced himself yeah. to do yeah. something good, even though yeah. it doesn't feel remotely real. Which also goes to tell us how much and how important it is for him to, or for him that Diane thinks he's a good person. Yes. It's, it's kind of immediately sets up that relationship where we see this is one person. There's not many people Bojack is trying to impress in this show, mm. but she is certainly one of them. It is funny that you mentioned that there are not many people that Bojack mm. is trying to impress because this takes us to a shot later in the day where Bojack and Princess Carolyn are having sex. Or are they? As she <laughs> says, he's not inside of her. <laughs> he finishes anyway. Of course. Uh, Todd, walks, oh, God. Todd walks in after that gross noise <laughs> <laughs> with all these ideas for the musical. He's spewing forth with all this like great stuff. Obviously, Bojack has at least empowered him Indeed. just with a tiny shred of positivity. Mm. Todd's been set off to work. Which tells you how bad he's been to him so far up to this point. Over five years. Over five years. Uh, <laughs> Todd has all these ideas. Bojack immediately shoots it down. But Todd takes that as a note because he's so wonderfully positive. It's mm. You almost feel guilty laughing yeah. at the fact that he's just absorbed this abuse and taken forth with it. Um they're working on it the next morning and uh, Todd again gives him all these various ideas to which point Bojack responds and it is in the feedback more than the content here. Imagine if the Holocaust happened every four years, like the Olympics. I would rather that happen than your rock oh, opera. When someone sets up with a 9-11 joke at the beginning of a show and then manages to top it, I guess we get the real underbelly of this show will go there. There's nothing this show won't do. Yeah. And, and all sort of highlight just how rotten really Bojack can be. Well, that's what it is, isn't yeah. it? These are not wasted gags to no, shock. No. They are windows into Bojack's personality. Yeah. A 9-11 reference being a soft launch into yeah. what awful stuff he's got hidden within him. Almost as if there's worse to come. Um, anyway, through the ridiculous dialogue, Bojack accidentally reveals that he's actually been following along all along uh, in Todd trying to explain why character A would do thing to, you know, character B. Bojack starts repeating the lines and Todd, thrilled with this, sees that Bojack is actually interested. These have been notes. Ignore the Holocaust stuff. Ignore the 9-11 thing because Bojack, Bojack, in spite of himself, is taking an interest. Well, because he's just, he's faked it till he's made it, hasn't he? That's the yeah. thing, which is if another sort of tiny insight into Hollywood again, isn't it? He's just pretended that he's interested and now eventually by mistake he's interested speaking of faking it till you make it we are back to bojack horseman and princess carolyn having sex i wish we'd planned this this has all worked out really well hasn't it well they're not having sex she's not even in the room <laughs> this gag is played so so well for how ridiculous it is she's now brushing her teeth and bojack finishes anyway and then asks her if she got there she's not even in the bed brilliant stuff really just hollow Yes. Hollow would be the word, and of that's course. everything we felt towards Todd. But it's almost as if Bojack has had to invest in his oh relationship my word, with Todd. Michael. So the hollowness has come with Princess Carolyn instead. You could even say it's hollow wood, eh? Because he's hollow and the wood and boat. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You got it. Do you get it? Do you get, Do you get it? it? You yeah, got it. because it's hollow. It's about hollow. It's a penis joke. <laughs> Bojack and Todd are in a diner. Um, <laughs> Bojack says I thought you were just a dumb freeloader ate all my food and played video games all day <laughs> that will be important later Indeed. on um, Todd admits that he is so much more than that but he kind of was a dumb freeloader that just was eating all his food and playing all his video games all day because he found Bojack's house through destroying his own life he reveals to Bojack that he played a game called Decapathon 
uh, we see through a series of you know historical flashes back that he was flunking out of school, that his girlfriend left him, that he was just decaying into nothing, to the point where his mother kicked him out because all he did all day was play decapathon. It's a really tragic scene, actually, because we get through a little bit of conversation that Todd was maybe going somewhere before this game just took it all away from him to the point where he needed Bojack. He stumbled in from a party mm. one time, and then five years later, he's still living with him. And it's just, you know, really sad to see. But ignore all that. <laughs> because things are going well for Todd Forget now. It's what all could, good. What could possibly go wrong? Mm. We learned that Princess Carolyn's actually set up a meeting with esteemed rock opera agent Virgil Van Cleef. Um, Virgil a, Van Cleef. He's a rock opera expert and moose who's going to come and see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should point out at this point, Bojack, in the middle of a, a very important conversation with Todd about the rock opera and about how they're suddenly under a bit of pressure to get it ready for showtime, uh, he gets a call from the bird paparazzis from episode two who try to extort him with the pictures of Sarah Lynn, <laughs> but Bojack doesn't even let them get the line out. Uh, he says, if you'll excuse me, I'm having lunch with my friend. And Todd finally is more important than something that could potentially be very serious to Bojack's career. Well, I'm pleased you said this because this was a moment where I was about to say that he's so wrapped up in himself that he ignored the birds, but actually it's not himself this time. Mm. This might be one of the first times we see he's actually wrapped up in somebody else for a change. Yeah. And it's that gives us that little sliver into the Todd and Bojack relationship that actually, despite the fact that Todd is this so supposed freeloader, mm. there's actually quite a sweet relationship underneath all of this. Somewhere. I think that's it, isn't it? The bond, certainly from Bojack's point of view, the mm. bond between him and Todd at every point in this episode is something that he tries really hard to stifle down. He pushes and he pushes and he pushes. Even when he doesn't, he tries to admit that he's not going along with the opera, the words escape forth from him. And it's only then, it's almost like he's then trying to push it all back inside of him. So that's this like battle that Bojack's having with himself pretty much throughout the episode. Um, he has everybody round for Todd's performance, but even before he sort of unveils Todd to the waiting audience, um, who includes Wayne, who is still there, Mr. Peanut Butter, Diane. Um, he's almost like putting Todd down as a way to protect him. He's saying, this is probably going to be terrible. Um, but, you know, Bojack's already forgotten himself at this point. He's, you know, welcoming Todd to the proceedings. Uh, by being critical, we again see the opposing Zoe and Zelda forces because Mr. Peanut Butter cannot wait for this. He's so excited. <laughs> While Bojack himself is just willing to pull it down and willing to pull it down. They are still the Zoe and Zeldas in each other's lives. <laughs> Todd comes out. We get another comedy cutaway. Five hours later. Five hours later. The room, including Virgil van Cleef, has sat through every bit of this. Uh, it finishes. Very big difference here. From the first part of when Todd played this to the, the waiting crowd, it was very clear that he was going to end his song with Slaves and Bojack was interrupting. Just get to Slaves, just get to Slaves. This is such a nice moment, this. Not anymore. We are five hours in and Bojack is miming along because he's invested in Todd. He's invested in the story. He's invested in the whole thing and he desperately wants it to finish. And it finishes with a flourish. It goes wonderfully. Um, Virgil van Cleef is moderate in his praise, but he says it needs a third act showstopper. But all in all, it's spellbinding. Spellbinding. What a lovely compliment. <laughs> it's lovely. It's It really is. Between Bojack and Todd, they've got something ready to go. Mm. Uh, he offers him a slot in his theatre in six weeks, which creates a nice type of motivational panic, doesn't it? It's that, it's that TV trope of saying, I want it, but I want it now. How are we going to get to that part of the episode quicker? It moves the story mm. along quite nicely. Um, it's quite sweet as well, because after the fact... There's a moment between Diane and Bojack, and we'll get to, obviously, what Diane's been up to in the episode a bit later on, but she's legitimately impressed with Bojack, and you can almost feel Bojack's horse cheeks go a little bit flush because he's gotten to her, and this was maybe one of the intentions all along. Yes, we get that first example, don't we, here, where it's 
actually, if I do some nice things, maybe mm. nice things will happen to me. Yes. Almost like we're being teased as to what could be mm. for Bojack. And right on cue, Todd interrupts that moment between them and says, what if it's a big hit? I can finally move out. Mm. And we see Bojack looks a little bit unsettled by yeah, that. A little is. bit unsettled. Again, playing to what Diane had spotted ages ago because she's always the one that knows him. She always she knows. knows him one step ahead of him. Um, we cut to Bojack and Princess Carolyn in the theatre as preparation is going on and there's a little bit of rehearsal. Todd's feeling panicked. Bojack's starting to worry that it's a little bit too soon for him. Is he ready for this? Mm. Princess Carolyn neglects this entirely and goes and gets Todd to sign the ton of documentation because she now wants him as a client. <laughs> this uh, rock opera He's is going gonna, somewhere now. Yeah, this rock opera is going to be a huge hit and she spots an opportunity. We get, and it's probably one of the last of these, uh, considering that we haven't really had any since the pilot, a great Family Guy style cutaway about baby birds getting pushed out of the nest a little bit too soon. Um, it's a big joke, which I want to leave for people to enjoy themselves. Mm -hmm. But it just, again, plays to Bojack's panic about Todd getting out there alone too soon and that he's not ready for it. It's strange how tonally it feels different, if you know what I mean. We only get so many of these little cutaways in Bojack. I actually feel in this particular episode, with so much of the narrative being around the Zoe and Zelda and how we, we often talk about the show outside of the show, Bojack Horseman, the Netflix series doesn't want to be horsing around a peanut butter's house or even in this case family, family guy. guy it's almost thrown in a gag of a different world yep. to remind you what bojack horseman actually bojack horseman the show actually it is. should feel jarring because yeah. this isn't the tone or the format of this show yeah this isn't the zoe and zelda yeah. universe or anything I think we like got that. we got one there are probably some others but the one that i remember notably is the one where bojack runs away from princess carolyn when she mentions uh, children in episode yeah. one it feels like we maybe get one big cutaway gag like that or mm. something you know there was a necessity at first because you had to learn so much about so many mm. characters so quick now it's taking the time to flesh out those few personality traits that we've we've met in the the cast so far and i think the, the lean on their ability to tell those jokes in a different way I yeah think that's and it's until they get the confidence for that the cutaways are obviously an easy to go to it kind of takes us to the next bit really because todd desperately wants to talk the third act but bojack we don't know if this is out of panic or what but he says oh you know you need snacks you need to be you know revitalized mm. todd agrees they go to a shop to get snacks. While Todd's in the queue, uh, a lady in the queue asks him to get him something out of the 10 cent bin. And while he's doing that, he spots a copy of Decapathon. Not just Decapathon though, Michael, the brand new Decapathon 7 or something. <laughs> it's like brand new, this. Even better than the one that Even ruined Todd's life the yeah. first time. Before, Todd, before Bojack can stop Todd or before Todd can give it a second thought, the lizard behind the counter captures it with a tongue and confirms the purchase. The game is going home with Todd and Bojack. We're back at the apartment and uh, Todd can't concentrate on getting these last notes right, getting this third act right, because the game is right there. Bojack trusts him. They've built a relationship on trust and mm. faith and all these new qualities they've got between each other. So he goes to bed. He says, just get your notes done, get this third act finished and it'll all be fine. We then see the the tragic reality of Todd's addiction. It is played very Just much ten seconds later. <laughs> that's what I told. It's played very much like when we see a character with a drug addiction in a TV show mm. fall back in, or an alcoholic fall off the wagon, or something like that. Which you know we've already seen is one of Bojack's vices, and uh, certainly one of Sarah Lynn's. It is instantaneous. He can't contain his need to play this game and what it does to him. There's a really dark and tragic gag because he fires up the Capathon 7 or whatever it was. We see Vikings and women in bikinis and it's really flashing lights. It's it's that kind of, it's almost America's Project Fear on video games. And it looks like it's going to be real gruesome too. Yeah. And it's a game of Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> it's the just sort of Tetris. A punchline within the punchline of this game he's addicted to isn't even that advanced it's not exciting it's it's just terrorist. It's just connecting circles to circles just and squares to squares dropping shapes on shapes in the hope that they land 
It's we get we see uh, through you know a series of cutaways that Todd plays this through the night. It mm. dominates his evening. He's not getting the work done. So Bojack wakes up in the morning, realizes what's happened, and desperately tries to pull Todd together. He drags him to the theater where Virgil van Cleef has assembled a bunch of industry experts, financial backers. This is a big moment for Todd, you know. So Todd's placed in front of the piano by Bojack. Predictably, it goes really badly. It goes badly in front of the worst possible people it can do. He can't summon any of it. He's lost it all. Not even the five-hour masterpiece that you know Virgil van Cleef thought was good enough is there. He can't he summon any of that. He doesn't even muster a five-minute masterpiece. He's not this. got it in him anymore. The game, yet again, has taken away from him the things he really loves because that, we've learned, has got this power over mm. Todd. Um, Virgil van Cleef says what a waste of time it's been. He's furious. But Bojack... A la Zelda, leaps to his defense. He, he's realized over the course of this episode, it doesn't have to be a Zoe. He can be a Zelda. He wants to be positive. He uh, he tries to put Virgil van Cleef in his place. Virgil van Cleef <laughs> reminds him that this is not a 30-minute TV show where things can be wrapped Indeed. up nicely. This was Todd's opportunity, and he's blown it. But Bojack isn't having any of it. He takes him away. And as he does so, he closes with Sarah Lynn's incredibly destructive new catchphrase from last week. Suck a dick, dumb shits. <laughs> it's not a way that anybody should leave a room and yet twice a character's felt that this is the way to close a relationship with somebody it goes to show you the mindset of doesn't it of both Sherilyn and Bojack we see those are the ones they feel like they need to get that last word and then mm. wander out and probably much to their detriment in both uh, scenarios and yet again as it was referenced in the very first episode as it has done so far in all the episodes we've reviewed Bojack believes that his whole life is a 30-minute American sitcom. It's an edition of Horsing Around. And we are led to believe here that, oh, well, it hasn't worked out, but the main thing is the friends we made along the way. As always, next week, we see kind a, of. a lovely moment where Todd's really devastated. He's really apologetic that he's blown the opportunity. And he goes to throw away his keyboard, but Bojack says, no, you can keep it in the living room closet. In fact, you can keep all your things in the living room closet. No longer will he be tripping over Todd's mess because Todd's mess is now part of Bojack's apartment. And what a happy ending. What a nice way. that It turns out that sometimes in Bojack's life, things can be wrapped up in 30 minutes, just like the great American sitcom. Or can they? We go briefly to Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter's place where Diane and Wayne are having a conversation, kind of like addressing their old relationship. He refers to her as a Zoe. And then over top of his references about what we can see, the sad reality of how a Zoe lives his life, we start to see what maybe has been happening underneath the plot in this episode. Um, Wayne is talking about Mr. Peanut Butter is kind and carefree, but Diane, like Bojack, is a Zoe. We see clips of days earlier when Bojack is buying the game from a shop. He's paying off the snack shop owner to force the purchase to take place. We then see him go to character actress Margot Martindale's house, who is the old lady in the shop who has steered Todd to that 10 cent bin in the first place. The entire scene in the snack shop was a staged Set bit of theater mm. from Bojack because the last thing we saw when he was like, let's go get snacks was the doubt of just how he could go and live without Todd. And he's realized that he can't. We hear Wayne's soundtracking over the top of this. He's talking to Diane, but he's, of course, referencing mm -hmm. Bojack. There is a darkness inside you. And oh, how oh, dark man. it is. The last second reveals Todd comfortably wrapping himself in a blanket, going to sleep on Bojack's couch. He's still on his couch, but it's his blanket now. His stuff is in Bojack's closet. He's never been more part of Bojack's life. And then the episode ends with a very brief shot of a receipt for the game that we learn that Bojack has forgot to take back when he's returned the game mm -hmm. that could unravel everything about Bojack's pretty heartbreakingly evil plan, his way to actually, we thought he was building him up. And in fact, he's been breaking him down from underneath. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We got we got a lot here, didn't we? Because mm. this is I don't want to say this is the original sin, because I think Bojack's done quite a few terrible things. Yeah. But this is the first big moment we've seen of the real capabilities of Bojack here and is sort of sociopathic nature, really, of like cutting a man's life in two so he can benefit his own. Yeah. And not just that, though, we see the fact that we've seen the lengths that Borja will go to to not be alone, even if that means sacrificing some people along the way. You are completely wrong-footed. Again, it's this really clever trick that the whole episode plays on you by leaning so hard into the Zoe and Zelda narrative and asking you to think of other comedies and other sitcoms and even putting in a Family Guy cutaway gag earlier in the episode. It has put you on one platform and then it has pulled that platform away from you so you fall hard because you've invested in Bojack, invested in Todd and then to see what's actually happened that whole time, it just it shakes your faith and everything. I remember watching this episode and you know there's going to be various points along throughout the show where there's going to be moments where it's hit more personally for us. And this was the moment we, when we very first started this podcast, we talked about how one of the reasons we wanted to do this, because when you try and recommend the show to people, they reply with, what, the cartoon about the talking horse? This episode, more than any other so far, despite the little moments of darkness that we've seen, Mm. was where the whole thing felt bigger. The whole thing felt really painfully real. We get the kind of, it's almost like a a direct reminder of, you think this is the the Simpsons, you think this is Family Guy, you think Mm. this is this show, you're wrong. Because yep. not only not only does we do we get all of this happen, but also a show that has continually tried to tell us it should be thirty minutes and wrapped up. Mm. There's gonna have to be another thirty minutes because this story is far from over. Yeah, there's a there's like a sort of a modicum of a cliffhanger there. Mm. And as we kind of keep reiterating, and if only somebody could tell Bojack his real life is not horsing around. It never was and it's never, never gonna be. be. We'll touch briefly on the other characters because we did talk a little bit about uh, Diane and uh, Wayne. So there's little teasers of what's happened in their relationship in the past. We uh, we learn that um, obviously Wayne is writing an article for BuzzFeed on Mr. Peanut Butter, but we also find out that really it's just to be close to Diane. Mm. There's a moment where Diane says she wants to go to a Diane Arbus art show, um, but Mr. Peanut Butter is too wowed by an offer at a taco restaurant. But the, the point about that was is that Wayne volunteers to go with her to mm. the art show and 
Diane obviously kind of spots that there's still that connection between them. Mr. Peanut Butter even spots that between them. <laughs> Why did you guys break up in the first place? He's so weird and not, not weird. He's so over the top nice about these two. In this, yeah. it's, you get the reaction that normally you would expect the envious boyfriend to be like, hey, what are you doing? That's my girlfriend. But actually, he's almost encouraging them <laughs> to get back together at some point. And then, and none of this is thrown away because no. when they're watching Todd do his rock opera around at Bojack's apartment, we see that Diane is wearing the T-shirt to show that, oh, actually, they did go to the taco thing. They didn't go to the Diane Arbus yeah. art show. But Mr. Peanut Butter says, I bought you tickets to the Diane mm. Arbus art show in San Francisco. So she's actually getting more. As a couple, they're getting both. It is a way to solidify that this relationship is more than just uh, a means to an end for mm. a, a part of Bojack's story. They have a bond together here because she's agreed to do the thing with him. But he's never stopped thinking about you know, he is, actually, a, he is a Zelda want, for real. I still real. want her to get... Yeah, he is. Yeah. That's the one. He's the one true Zelda in the show, isn't he? Of mm-hmm. all the people who we are presented with in this episode, Mr. Peanut Butter is the one. We find that Wayne is just going to, you know, use the BuzzFeed list to tear uh, Mr. Peanut Butter apart. And then he accuses Diane of saying, well, that's just what you're going to do with the budget, I think. So he actually thinks that his article is the same as the book. He's got the same take as Mr. Peanut Butter. But Diane explains, no, it's going to be much more than that. It's going to be a nuanced portrait. Um, but... Obviously, Wayne believes that she'll always be a Zoe, no matter how much she wants to be a Zelda, no matter what she thinks she's got with Mr. Peanut Butter. It's quite cute here because what he's doing is he's trying to undermine their relationship mm. as if to say that she should get back with him. We, the viewer, are saying that maybe it should be Bojack she should be with because they are far more kindred. We're certainly pushed in that direction, mm. specifically a little bit more in this episode because of how much Bojack's kindness ends up paying off with Diane, don't we? So it's the first real time we've got where we've got the... The Sam Malone and Diane dynamic. Mm. Ironically, another Diane, yep. Sam and Diane, where we're seeing these two perhaps could end up together. But yep. we aren't quite sure because of how solid the relationship is with Mr. It's Peanut good. Butter. It's good because it allows for both, doesn't it? It does. It's not, they've not <clears throat> had Mr. Peanut, but certainly in the pilot, he was kind of more of a Hollywood douchebag. And they were asking you, they were almost inviting you to say, oh, if only she realized that Bojack was the guy for her. But it's not a show no. that leans on those cliches. And there is, a, there is a reasonably solid relationship that if she was to leave for Bojack, she would be sacrificing, she would be breaking up. And that's it. They've taken our stereotype, our own stereotype, and mm. completely thrown it in our face because he's done such nice things for her. And he's so trusting he would let her go away with another man who she used to be uh, partners with. Yeah so comfortably and that's they've, they've really the opposite i think like at this point by episode four they've really like subverted who the mr peanut butter character is mm. i think we had to receive bojack as something of a hero in episode one but by episode two and three we know he's not that so we no longer need the villain in his life mr peanut butter yeah. does not need to perform that role in the show anymore and uh, just speaking really briefly on mr peanut butter um during the middle of a conversation between wayne and diane his phone interrupts we hear for the first time i believe it's the first time that his Phone ringtone is the Mr. Peanut Butter theme. Yes. Much in the same way that Bojax is the horse and around theme. Um, and who's on the phone? It's Erica. There that it is. Brings our Eric count well, for the show up to three. Up to three. You get you get a plug your Eric count and everything. Look at you. <laughs> look at you go. And we remembered, which is amazing, because I was certain when you said that we were going to forget. But anybody who doesn't remember, the Eric count will be going forward. Mm. The amount of times that Mr. Peanut Butter mentions Erica throughout the show. At least they're consistent. It is one of the many hidden gags. It, it is one of the many hidden gags. Would you like to hear some more? Go on then. Hey? Go on then, fire I them off. I just want to make sure you are finished. I wouldn't want to jump, <laughs> jump there and just start. It's been quite a sad episode to a mm. certain extent, so I think we do need some gags that go down quite nicely. Some light relief after some, that finish. Some light relief. Mm. We are definitely in need of it. Well, luckily enough, there is quite a few. Um, a lot of these are big word-based things. Like, mm. And when I say that, I don't mean, oh, look at how clever this was. I mean, actually, big 
Weird. Lots of them, <laughs> and all on certain things. At the very beginning of the episode, let's go all the way back, we get the Laugh Shack, the first place we find out. Obviously, a little homage to the comic strip, which is, of course, yes. the famous uh, stand-up comedy club, uh, no, most notable for Jerry Seinfeld. lovely 80s Place to start, bizarre. of course. Yeah. The, we get the Seinfeld overtones, yeah. essentially Seinfeld, or mm. something very similar playing along. Even Bojack's attire is designed to be Seinfeld-esque doing mm. his stand-up. But before we even get in, on the outside of the building, the um, the wall is covered in names. Now, I can't name them all because we'll be here all day, but <laughs> the most notable ones that I saw who were hanging on that wall are Lisa Hannawelt, who, of course, is the designer of Very all the characters nice. and the art Very and nice. everything within the show. Mike Hollingsworth, who is the guy who actually is responsible for a lot of the puns that you'll see in mm. the show, certainly the animal-based ones as well. He's up there. And Ara Long, which is a name, is one of the, the guys, I believe is one of the writers on the show, but I... Literally, those are the three names I plucked out of it because there are <laughs> so many. Go and check that wall out again. Next door is a strip club, which on the uh, on the wall says, Girls, Girls, Gorillas. <laughs> because, hey, we don't turn people away at this strip club, of course. Uh, so <laughs> the Seinfeld comparisons are there for all to see when Bojack's doing his stand-up. Only problem is, nobody's laughing because he's not very good, <laughs> uh, which is highlighted by the two crickets who are in the audience sat at the table <laughs> because of course they are what else would be sat there to just highlight how bad he's doing when uh, we cut back to the bar and Bojack is talking to Herb Kazaz the guy who was heckling him obviously in the earlier episode earlier in the episode sorry as you mentioned we get the get cancer jerk ward line which obviously will pay off in such the first a, thing he ever said to him the, first the man that would thing, change his life the man who would change his life is that the first thing he gets to say but a little cameo perhaps in the background. This is pure speculation, but we have jumped back in time. Mm -hmm. There is a pelican at the bar who is the bartender. Could he be the same pelican ah. who was the bartender from Bellicans yeah. in episode two? I think it's episode, episode two. two. We've definitely seen him in It Bellicans, is episode yeah. two, Bojack Hates the Troops. That's mm. what it's from. Um, then we go back to Bojack's house. Um, I don't know. This isn't even really a joke. I just found it entertaining. Todd was dipping some candy floss in, <laughs> into a bowl of Lucky Charms, yeah. which I thought was just summed up Todd's uh, breakfast routine quite well actually there is something to that because often like Bojack has complained about Todd just taking all the food yes. he's often looking for breakfast Constantly stuff that he can't find stuff. we know that he loves candy floss and he loves breakfast food so Todd is taking those two things together he's almost like he's raided Bojack's faves then we go to the cut to the roast of Gloria Steinem which mm. is a little callback if you remember from the previous episode when Princess Caroline is talking to um, Sarah Lynn she talks about what she could get her as an agent, and she's in the middle of saying the sentence, I can get you tickets to the Gloria Steinem roast, but she gets cut short. Well, we get the payoff for that yep. right here in this episode. Um, there are also, outside of the outside of the Comedy Central Club, I guess where they are, uh, there's moths hovering around the spotlights outside. <laughs> they just can't help themselves. Inside, however, there's a brilliant, brilliant gag. Uh, as we see an establishing shot of the room, we see a shot from on the stage looking out where all the audience is. There is a goat or lamb, I guess, who sat at a table eating a nice steak, as we see. Steak on a plate, mm -hmm. seems to be enjoying himself. We cut back to Gloria Steinem on stage. But then when we cut back again to the audience, the goat is now, he's discarded the steak, <laughs> but is eating the plate instead <laughs> because he probably hasn't quite got the uh, the whole deal there. I wasn't sure as well if, if it is a lamb, is there some kind of, it's a beef steak, it's a lamb, <laughs> is there some kind of joke? Is there there? a cannibalism? I'll let them. you decide. We go back to Bojack's house where they're doing the uh, Todd's rock opera. I think one of the notables here, not necessarily a hidden gag, but Princess Carolyn being continually stuck on her telephone doing texts and all sorts. Mm. We then see she's progressed from one phone with the 
the roast of Gloria Steinem to two phones in the house, which is now operating, completely ignoring the whole world around us. It's a very quiet sadness There is that, something isn't real sad about mm. that. She doesn't really speak much in the in the opening bits of this uh, episode. Mr. Peanut Butter, however, while enjoying Todd's song and rock opera, we get to the end after one Ron rock opera later, he's got a lighter out and he's just <laughs> slowly waving along as if he's at a gig, which I thought was lovely. Of course, you've mentioned Bojack's worse than 100 September 11th line, oh. but of course, I have to mention it because it was that bad. Then when we get a little, when Bojack and Todd are talking and Bojack makes a promise to him about like what he wants to do, he's like, wait a minute, he says. Is this going to be like the time you promised to take me ice skating? And I got really excited, but then instead of ice skating, you left me at home and you went to the strip club and then you took the strip <laughs> as ice skating instead, which oh. probably sums up their relationship quite succinctly, actually, although maybe not so succinct from five Todd. years of that. Five Todd's years five of years this. of that. Well, Funny you say that, Michael, because we will get another gag like that <laughs> in just a second. When we go back to Be uh, Bojack being in his bedroom after he's not made love to Princess Carolyn, mm -hmm. I guess I'll let you decide He had that. a nice time. He had a good time. Mm. Isn't that just like a man? Uh, <laughs> you'll find that the bed is propped up because it's where Todd did a cannonball and broke the bed in the previous episode. The bed is propped up by a copy of Secretariat. Oh, Obviously excellent. the book that Diane wrote yeah. about Secretariat is now propping up Bojack's bed and life. If there isn't something in that, I don't know what is. Um, and then, of course, Bojack jumps in with the line we've also mentioned where he tops his own. Imagine if the Holocaust happened every four years, like the Olympics. I'd rather that happened than your rock opera, Todd. Well, that's an endorsement, isn't it? It gets no easier, does it? It doesn't get any easier to hear. Bojack, while he's snacking and Todd is talking about his rock opera, is eating carrot chips because he's a horse. I don't know if you know <laughs> that. And horses like carrots. Nice and simple. Um, Todd also gives another anecdote when he talks about going for lunch with Bojack. And Todd's like, hang on, wait a minute. Is this like the time you said you wanted to go for lunch, but then instead of going for lunch... <laughs> You went to the strip club and told me you were eating stripper for lunch. And it was my birthday. Oh. <laughs> the absolute tragedy of that and the timing of his little pause before he says, and also it was my birthday. That's the second time they've used the birthday, the birthday the guy. sucker punch the sucker at the punch. end. Yep. At the end of an awful, awful Something experience. Horrible. It turns out to it be that character's out. birthday. It couldn't be much worse. Actually, it's also my birthday. Yeah. Ironically, it was Borja, of course, it who was. had the one. Yeah prior to that. He is well, passing on that abuse, isn't he? There he was a is. pattern of There's abuse. There's a pattern there. of abuse. Uh, when we cut back to Mr. Peanut Butter's house, we get an establishing shot outside and the water fountain of his house is a water hydrant because he's a dog, of course Michael. It it's nice and easy. Now onto one of my favorite gags from this episode. We will get three occurrences from this. This is the first one. Nobody, for anybody who likes Arrested Development, this is not too dissimilar to the chicken noise gag. Mm. Nobody knows how to say the line, fool me once, shame <laughs> on me. Fool me twice, you know what I mean. Shame on you. I've already forgotten the actual line. <laughs> so Mr. Peanut Butter is the first one to fall into this trap. And he says, well, you know what they say. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, fiddle dee dee. <laughs> <laughs> because it rhymes. It so, rhymes. And That's it makes sense for, it's for Mr. Peanut Butter. As you mentioned, we got the third Erica of our little thing. So that's mm. three we're up to on the Erica count. Yep. Because she calls him on the phone and he disappears out the room. Slightly different, still an Erica though, and mm -hmm. we're going to take it. We go back to the re to a restaurant, the diner this time, which we've seen a few times in this show, uh, where Bojack and Todd are having lunch. The Now we get the guy in the flap. We've mentioned him a couple of times now. I now see him because you see of him your because references. Of this. Him, yeah. There's a man in the flat cap with the mm. flannel shirt in striped tones. He's got a little goatee. He's been in every episode. He was technically a llama in the last episode <laughs> of the party, but he's been in all three of the other episodes. And he is ordering a steak at the diner 
the waitress, of course, is a cow who is very unhappy about this. And he sort of, she says, he has your steak and a bit of a sassy tone before he says, sorry. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> he's really guilty. I've just he? bought the, the steak. I'm paying you money, but also I'm sorry because it's a steak. Um, we go back to Bojack's house. And of course, as you mentioned, and very kindly decided not to dive into, uh, <laughs> Mr. Peanut Butter and mentioned about going to get a burrito that's as big as your head that you can get from this burrito place. And then later on, we find that they both come back, he and Diane, with T-shirts that say, I ate a burrito that was as big as my head <laughs> on the shirt. A wonderful shirt, which I'd love to own myself, to mm. be honest. We then cut back to our next little uh, revisit to the Fool Me Gag. This time, I believe it's... Uh, Virgil van Cleef, mm. who gets his go at it, who says, fool me once, shame on you, but teach a man to fool me and I'll be fooled for the rest <laughs> of my life. <laughs> it's, it's so good. We then cut to Noho, which is, of course, a little rip on Soho, mm -hmm. uh, where we get the the sort of place where Todd's rock opera could potentially be taking place. Um, on the uh, marquee of Noho, it says, coming soon, Virgil van Cleef presents Bojack Horseman, presents Newtopia, Rising, Book One, The Search for a New Utopia, a Todd joint. <laughs> nice and succinct once again. It's almost like they're doing this on purpose at this point, Michael. We go inside to the interior, and you can see a giraffe with the longest neck and presumably longest arms is the one who's putting the spotlights on at the top of the, uh, the stage. And there's also a woman who uses a beaver to cut some wood. <laughs> I, thought <laughs> was great. I like those Flintstones. Very animal quick jokes. Flintstones yeah. S gags, which is ironic because then we get the, the cutaway we talked about where mm. we pull away. And of course, as Bojack, it's Bojack says, it's like the time he's seen people go fly out of the nest too soon before. He's then with a bird at a window saying, I've, uh, he's saying, she says, he seemed ready. And Bojack puts the arm on the shoulder and says, it's not your fault, which is some sort of weird kind of tie back to um, Goodwill Hunting, of course. Yeah. Robin Williams putting a hand on the shoulder of Will and telling him it's not your there fault. There's an inference that they've pushed Re the child yeah, out the window. Yeah, there's a small child yeah. out the window who was not ready to go <laughs> out of said window. Um, what have I got here? Oh, yes, Princess Carolyn, when she's going to Todd, because she's a cat, Michael, I don't know if I've mentioned this, she, instead of just wandering over to him, takes a really obnoxious way to him by <laughs> leaping around like a cat, goes up a string, climbs up, and then drops back down and obviously goes along to be his agent. Um, then we go to the shop where all of the real tragedy starts to unfold. The shop is a 7-Eleven, but it's not a 7-Eleven, Michael, because it's an 8-12. Nice. Because, Very good. Because more is indeed more. There's a guy inside the shop who is wearing a T-shirt that says, my other bike is a tree, <laughs> which, <laughs> and the T-shirt is green. Love that. There's also a shop clerk who is called Cecil the Lizard. Now, I didn't clock anything for this. Someone may have this. If there mm. is Cecil the Lizard, be sure to let us know. Decapathon, mm. I thought, was quite entertaining that it was just Tetris. I thought that yeah. was a great little gag because it really, it's such a simplistic game for to get somebody hooked on. They've created quite a, a tension and a world around the danger of Decapathon. Yeah. You you are led to believe it's it's one. It's a reference, isn't it, to pop culture destroying lives. Mm. So whether it's over the years, it might have been Marilyn Manson or yeah. Grand Theft Auto or anything like that. That's what you assume this must be. Yeah, Tetris. Ca it's just Tetris. <laughs> Tetris. It's not even that big of a deal. It's just Tetris. Uh, in the morning, there's a morning shot outside of Bojack's house. There's a chicken who was on a run who was just running by, who says, wake up, it's the morning. <laughs> <laughs> because when the cock crows and all that. Indeed. Um, then we go back to the audition where Todd absolutely, completely fails at this audition. And as he does, right at the bit where it's supposed to be a big moment, the crescendo happens, the fireworks go off, the, the sign drops down that says Newtopia. But of course, 
he's cocked it all up. And as the neon flick, as we get Utopia instead of Newtopia. <laughs> oh, nice. Because it just wasn't very good. Very good. Uh, we go back to Bojack's house again. And Todd completes the trio of fool me jokes where he says, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me chicken soup with rice. <laughs> the weirdest of the three, I think it's fair to say. Um, and then this one is another one. I told you there was a lot of wordy jokes in here. Mm. We got the Laugh Shack outdoor uh, scene with everybody's names on. On, um, I've forgotten his name, the Diane's boyfriend, ex-boyfriend. Wayne. Wayne, there mm. it is. Wayne's, Wayne, Wayne's name. Um, <laughs> on Wayne's laptop, where Diane discovers he hasn't actually been writing anything, he's just written gibberish all over the laptop. Mm. There's a few choice words you can pull from the oh, text great. on there, which I spent ages trying to find. <laughs> we get the word poison. We get the words peanut butter. We get the word Australia. We get who are you? And then the real kicker is, Diane, I love you. Leave that dumb dog already. <laughs> and of course, we also get just as two little, uh, three little lads on. We get gooseberry, disasterism forever. And I'm typing, typing, typing. <laughs> Lovely stuff. But of course, the Diane, I love you one is right in there for all to see. When Bojack is returning the game and we see as he's going and unraveling his plot, He's going to drop this, the game back off at Beast Buy, not Best Buy, nice. because this is a show about animals, Michael. <laughs> uh, the shop clerk is also called Henry Hippo, just in case you <laughs> want to know that. And finally, the cheekiest little reveal when Wayne is doing his sad speech and basically saying about how uh, he basically reveals that he's still in love with Diane and all that kind of thing, mm. and that he's basically just going to do an article that's going to tear Mr. Peanut Butter to shreds. The camera slowly pulls back to reveal that Peanut Butter was there the whole time, <laughs> just listening to all of this and says... He seems like a really nice guy. Oh, oh Mr. Peanut Because Butter. he's Mr. Peanut Butter he and is, he's a dog he? and he's such a nice guy. Is this a slight shift away from where we started with dogs being completely stupid mm. to being daft but loyal and affectionate? Absolutely. So again, it continues to, with dogs, there continues to be an embodiment of what, like the real qualities of dogs are, that yeah. what people love about dogs in the first place. Mm. So everything that might annoy you about a yappy dog or some a bit of an interrupting dog suddenly becomes the loyal faithful dog that we've seen Mr. Peanut Butter morph into in this one. Quite endearing, isn't it? Like, mm. quite an endearing trait. And he, he gives off so many of them throughout the show, Mr. Peanut Butter. As it's gone on, he's become that character. Almost like you're excited to see him when he comes in the room. Yeah. Eh? A bit like a dog. Exactly. You yeah. might even say. Um, I think that's pretty much it for all of the gags that mm -hmm. I had. But, as always, Michael, oh, I love I love trying to lead you into these things. Oh, I just, just see that glint in your eye. I know it's there. But Go you on. know what it is, Michael? Let me just say... One last thing, and then I swear to God, I'll shut up about this podcast forever. Now, I don't know if you have one yet, but I do have one this mm -hmm. week. I came prepared. This one is one I'm very excited to talk about. As you may notice, everyone, listeners, uh, we never ever so far have mentioned the opening credits. Now, the ah. opening credits of this show are some of them, in fact, maybe my favorite opening credits of any TV show of all time. Why is that? Well, because... Not just are they pretty to start with, and not just is the theme song fantastic, but that is a whole other podcast that we need to get into. <laughs> However, I once said to Michael Hamlet when he was re-watching this for the first time, I said, whatever you do, do not, do not skip the intro to this show, the opening credits to it. I just want to cut in. Netflix gives you a button to it do does, that. It does, it does. And I do wish we it had does. that chat before season three. It does. Desperately and that so. is the image of you having to go back and re-watch them <laughs> is fantastic because... The opening credits are so specific that everything that happens in the show, if it's mm. important and if it's relevant, will begin to appear in the opening credits. Now, in season one, episode four, we get the first real taste of this. The world has changed in Bojack. As you remember from episode three, uh, Sarah Lynn turned up at his house and caused absolute chaos. Mm. Well, in this episode, we get 
To my knowledge, I believe, unless there's something tiny in the first three, this is the first real change of the opening credits. So where, visually, there is actually visually, a difference. visually, there's a reflection in what has happened and how it's changed. Ah. So, of course, all of this stuff happens in Bojack's house. Like, for example, Sarah Lynn sets his ottoman on fire. Well, as you'll see in the opening credits this time, Bojack's ottoman is still burnt out from the fire that happened. We have a lot of mess left around. We've seen more mess now being accrued by Todd, mm. but also from the, the leftovers of the party, perhaps. That's the only real massive change that takes place in the credits. But immediately, for anybody who is listening and is panicking, thinking, oh my God, I've been skipping over the credits. Let me tell you, don't ever skip the credits for Bojack Horseman because the fruit that is there for you is plentiful. Michael, what have you got for us? Nothing that can top that, You've got obviously, nothing. because we're on opening credits. I do have something. Um, I did quite like this one. So Virgil van Cleef, when reviewing Todd's rock opera, says that all it needs is a third act showstopper. Now... Bojack's reveal, the reveal of Bojack's plan, is very much the third act showstopper of this episode of, of episode. Bojack Horseman. Yeah. We've seen episode one, he's abusing Todd. Episode two, they're coming together. Episode three, he sabotages it. But he does that literally. In the third act, he is literally the showstopper. showstopper. By bringing Decapathon back into Todd's life, he Brilliant. stops Todd's show. So it's as if Virgil van Cleef inadvertently has given Bojack that little nudge, that little idea, that little light bulb moment. And it shouldn't be a light bulb because really it's revealing Bojack's darkness. It's a light going out, he's, if anything. He's given us the nod as well without yeah. us. We obviously don't know it at the time, but we discover that he's, it's a sly wink to the camera to say, this isn't finished yet. It is foreshadowing, it is foreboding, and it is just deeply sad. It, it is really sad. And that's... I wonder how many times we're going to say that over the course of all this podcast. <laughs> we what did we say when we first started? Celebration and heartache. Is that Celebration right? Celebration yeah. and heartache, I think yeah. you led with. And that's, you know, I mean, it is what it is, isn't it? What are you going to do? <laughs> but speaking of celebration and heartache, I think that's everything about the episode that we've got left to say. But mm. of course, what kind of podcast would we be if we didn't do a little bit of promotion? Just a bit. Not, just not, a bit. Not, nothing about the front of the plane this time. This is just, <laughs> just a plane this time because I think we're at the end. But of course, as always, thank you to everybody who's followed us on social media so far. Loved interacting with all of you and anybody who hasn't already, you can find us at Podcast Horseman on both Twitter and Instagram. Or if you should feel so inclined, you can also find your lovely hosts on Twitter or Instagram. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Adam Nicholas. And what about you, Michael? I'm on Twitter at Michael Hamflit. And I would like, as we said from the start of the podcast, to induct the second member to the Hollywood Talk of Fame. Ooh, how we very exciting. We had a lovely five-star review from Outdoor Jenny. Labelled off to a great start. I don't want that to be foreboding. It will remain great. <laughs> uh, thank you, Outdoor Jenny, for getting in touch. Uh, the feedback said, the best way to celebrate a truly great show that has earned great conversation is to start over from the very beginning and deep dive into each episode. We could not agree more. That's what we're here for. Your star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame will be appearing on Twitter and Instagram soon. I'm almost a little bit envious, you know. I'm almost a little bit envious. But for now, never mind envy. Let's quickly talk about what we're going to get from next week's mm. episode. Now, as always, here's a little synopsis brought to you by our friends over at Netflix. So, next week's episode will be season one, episode five, called Live Fast, Diane Nguyen. Mm. And the blurb for the said episode is, a business trip for Bojack and Diane takes a detour. Todd runs a scam that gets him in trouble. That sounds very like Todd, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, with that said, the only thing that does remain to be said is that I am Adam Nicholas. And I'm Michael Hamflit. And this has been Podcast Horseman. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.